Lori. Jim. Can you hear me now? I can hear you great. Can you hear me all right? Absolutely. Uh, this is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called Who Gives a Shit Files. And we have the distinct privilege of having my beautiful, bodacious, blasphemous, you know, sister on. And she is all things nutrition. And Lori Kelch, welcome to the Who Gives a Shit Files. Thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. Good. Well, I want you to know that I'm sitting here sipping my health shake. And I, what I did is I put all the vegetables, I put the, the carrots and I put the spinach in the microwave as per your instructions to heat it up to maximize the nutrition. Hmm. Not sure about microwave heating, but I guess it's better than uh, no heating. I looked it up. It is, it's not as good as steaming, but it's still better than raw. There you go. So, Lori, we are definitely delighted to have you on. And, you know, if you have listened to the, to, to, uh, the Who Gives a Shit Files, you know that Lori has such wonderful insight into holistic medicine and into supplements and herbs. And when I say she's blasphemous, that's in regard to the pharmaceutical companies who she does not adhere to. And I have to tell you that she actually told us about vitamin D and my entire family avoided any sort of vaccinations for influenza this year. And we all took a lot of vitamin D and none of us got sick, Lori. So oh. I wanna thank you publicly for that. <laughs> my pleasure. Now, now, I have to tell you, that in spite of all the plethora of positivity that Lori has, she has one flaw, and it's a big one, and I wanted to bring it up here, is that, you know, she grew up, Lori and I grew up in the same family, and we had a mother and a father and an uncle and a grandfather and a niece and a nephew and all sorts of cousins go to USC, fight on, and Lori has defected to <laughs> Ohio State. She has turned into an infidel. And I know that my father is suffering in purgatory, <laughs> knowing that my sister is a Buckeye fan and not a Trojan fan. And I was wondering if you have any sort of rationale for this, this uh, migration to the evil dark side of college football. A rationale? Yes. Well, let's see. I've been married to a Buckeye fan for 44 years. And, uh, you know, keeping peace in our family is a good thing. So... Maybe that's my rationale. I see. Yeah. I was under the impression that happy wife, happy life, not happy husband, you know, I, I mean, that's just the way I thought it worked. But well, you know, you know here's the deal. Um, you know what? If 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 he's happy, I'm happy for the most part. 
So that's how that's how that works. And besides, the Buckeyes are just better. So there you have it. <laughs> that is true, unfortunately. That is true. And I have to tell you that uh, that Lori and I had a bet with, and my brother Brian had a bet that USC would beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And we got smoked. We got tortured. We got dismembered. We got eviscerated. We got humiliated. It was ugly, Lori. And Lori got dinner at Muldoon's. And she got dinner. Brian had, our brother Brian had to buy her. And Steve Kelch, who, by the way, is a terrific guy, a terrific drummer, and, you know, he's got the same flaw that Lori does is <laughs> that he's an Ohio State Buckeye fan. But other than that, they're a flawless couple and we love them dearly. So enough with the frivolity. Now we're getting down to business. And this is a very this is a, a very serious subject. And I suffer from this. And anybody who has played sports over the years suffers from this. And pretty much anybody over 60 suffers from inflammation. So what Lori is going to do is she's going to talk about inflammation, the causes, the, you know, what we can do about it from a homeopathic, holistic um, standpoint. So, Lori, where would you like to start in doing inflammation? I have to tell you, I'm riddled with it. Well, so I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Well, to tell you the truth, um, you know, inflammation, chronic inflammation can start at a much long, uh, younger age. So it's not just the wear and tear that we've put on our bodies over the years. So let's get right into this and let's talk about what inflammation is. So if we, you, you say you have inflammation, so you've got to say a sore shoulder or a sore knee or whatever, that kind of inflammation pretty much screams in your face all the time. So if we cut ourselves, then that's an inflammatory condition. But we can also have, it's an inflammatory condition that's really obvious to us. We see that there's an issue or we feel that there's an issue, but there can, we can also have internal inflammation that is very silent that we don't know that we have. And that's the one that can cause or influence the development of chronic diseases. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's talk about what it is. Inflammation is an immune response. We have two immune systems. We're born with one and so that's our, um, you know, that's our, our innate immune system, the one that we're born with. And then we have um, an adaptive immune system that is, it, it, with our experience in the environment, starting when we're, you know, babies, uh, we're exposed to something, that's the immune system that will kick in. So, and actually both immune systems will kick in. And it's a good thing we have them. However, our innate immune system, the one that we're born with, doesn't have a memory the um, the immune system that uh, we acquire as we are experiencing our environment has a memory. So baby picks up a piece of dirt off the floor, sticks it in its mouth. It's got some, some kind of bacteria, a little something in there. The immune system is activated. It says, oh, I see something that I've never seen before. So we're going to go in. We're going to, we're going to, squish that, we're going to quash it, we're going to get rid of it, and then the baby's going to be fine. 
And so the next time the baby experiences that, the immune system's already connected and the baby's going to be fine. But for um, our innate immune system, the one that we're born with, when every time that we are exposed to something that, that our immune system perceives as being foreign, it will activate. And it activates every single time throughout our lives because it doesn't have a memory. And it's that continual activation of the immune system that can cause these inflammatory diseases to not go away. So um, inflammation, it's an immune response to anything that is kind of like an insult or injury. The injury we know, the insult is what can happen, say, in our arteries when we start to accumulate plaque. And the immune system is stimulated because there's something foreign in there and we don't want it to get into the bloodstream. So the immune system is going to build this little wall around this little injury um, or a little insult into the, uh, of the artery. And so it starts to build this little wall and that's where plaque comes from. That's how our arteries narrow. And then we got to go in and rotor root of them out. But that's all inflammation. I see. Can I ask you a quick question here? Absolutely. So when I insulted you about Ohio State, did that activate your immune system? You know what? It's interesting. Actually, it did not. Because it I know you well right. enough and, you know, ho-hum sometimes, Jim, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but had you brought up something that could cause me stress, where my body starts to feel stress. And when that happens, we, you know, get that little bit of adrenaline starting to pump and we feel our, our mood changing a little bit. We might feel a little bit of anger starting to rise or something like that. That's an inflammatory response. And the body, the, the thing is, is that we can have, we can have a, a response if we lose a loved one, which is one of the worst types of uh, stress responses the body's going to have, or we're stuck at a red light and we're late for work. Even though in our minds, we know that those two situations are miles away, the body doesn't know the difference. So the body continually will react with an immune response to that stress. And the more we trigger that immune response, the higher the inflammation in the body is going to grow. So let me see. So like instead of just having a little fun about Ohio State, if I would have slurred your integrity or like, you know, insulted your grandchildren, <laughs> you know, which, you know, which I know that, you, you know, I know you love them dearly and I would never do that. But had I done that and generated some stress, that could have triggered some inflammation in your body. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. But it's, you know, what's going to happen is that when you do that, if you say you did that, initially, my response is going to trigger my, that stress is going to trigger my immune system because this is something that the body usually doesn't doesn't do. Okay. So my body usually doesn't do that. It doesn't go that quickly into an anger, say an anger response, but because it did the, our immune system perceives that as an insult. And then the, uh, then, and yeah, then it's going to send out its army of, of cells to try and uh, again, quell that. Um, and it's, that's an inflammatory response and that's okay. 
because then I come down off of that anger, cool down a little bit, take a deep breath. Things are okay. The body is settled and everything is balanced again. However, if that anger continued and you did this every single day to me, now think about social media and reading social media. So if you did that every single day to me, that inf that inflammation is going to continue. That's going to continue into chronic inflammation and the body will continuously have this immune response in pumping out those cells to try and quell the inflammation. But in reality, it's going to perpetuate the inflammation because it just keeps spreading out those cells. For example, COVID, this is an excellent, uh, this is, okay. So we have these cells that are called cytokines and cytokines are there to- Wait a second, stop. wait a second. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before okay. we leave this, okay. So if, if you're, if you get into a pissing contest in social media with somebody, okay, yeah. and it happens all the time. Yes, you know, it does. You know, you have the social media. There's no accountability. It's anonymity. You know, there's no face-to-face -face interaction. So you can, you know, you can slur people all you want to, and have a certain amount of you of immunity to any sort of repercussions in terms of a face-to-face -face interaction. Right. So if I understand this correctly, Lori, and once again, please correct me if I don't have this right. So if you get into a pissing contest and you're going back and forth on social media, that, that interaction, if it lasts for a while, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, it can, it can lead to chronic inflammation in your body. Is that correct? That is correct. And here's, and, and if you, if you go back to maybe a couple of other things we had talked about in the past too, the connection between our gut and our brain is extremely active and it's, it's a continuous loop. So that if our brains are perceiving, um, you know, anger or whatever it might be, okay, we're, we're, we're reading this crap. Uh, and, and because it's putting us under stress and the body then is in this chronic state of inflammation and the body is trying to quell the inflammation because it, but it can't because it's just chronic and happening all the time. Um, yeah, that's the, the, it's going to, um, start affecting the gut bacteria, which in turn is going to affect what's happening in the brain. So, the, you know, so when we get angry about something or we get hyped up about something and we got some adrenaline going there uh, and some other uh, kind of adrenal hormones, um, that inflammation is going to be debilitating in the long run. And this is where some mental illness is going to come from and anxiety disorders. You know, there's a, a, a whole thing out now you can, you know, um, since COVID, how it's like one in three high school girls uh, are experiencing really significant mental ill, you know, mental illness, and in in the form of anxiety and stress and, and that kind of thing. And it's it's no wonder that that's happening um, because of what the experiences are with social media. It's one of the most inflammatory things in our in our environment right now. Absolutely. So if you're so. If you're, you know, and a lot of people, and I am not one of them, I am like getting real worked up about politics because, I, you know, yes, it's just not a priority to me. 
And, you know, but people that do, that stress out about them, this could have, this could manifest itself in the body with, I mean, with inflammation. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So in that, you know, inflammation then will manifest itself in, in many, many different ways. And it could be, you know, um, obviously poor sleep patterns, um, but it can also be things like heart disease and colon and breast cancer, um, you know, uh, um, Alzheimer's, allergies, ulcerative colitis and, and inflammatory bowel diseases. There's so many different types of chronic diseases we're seeing now where inflammation tends to be uh, the trigger. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's... And what happened? So the... Go ahead. So our, our environment then, which is filled with social media and it is filled with divisive um, politics is really compatible to inflammation and mental illness. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And I, you know, when I, when, I, when we use the term mental illness and maybe, you know, mental wellness is a better term or non-wellness because I'm not talking about things like schizophrenia and psychoses and that kind of thing. I'm talking more about, you know, anxiety and worry and, and where, where the stuff going on in our head ends up taking precedent over what's, you know, other things going on in our life. So I, I, that's really important because, you know, it's very easy to say, well, I don't have a mental illness, you know, and I'm not, again, talking about something that you're going to necessarily be hospitalized for. I'm talking about the everyday stuff that we experience. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that was, that's very good. You know, I had, I never thought of that. That's why I have you on the podcast to gain insights. Well, the other thing, the other thing that let, let's, let's bombard this now because, okay, so we know we've got this social media issue. We've got this political climate in our world right now. That's absolutely nuts. But then you add to that, we're going to compound that with the crappy food that many Americans are eating um, because this is what we promote um, environmental toxins that we are constantly exposed to. So, so things like, you know, flame retardants and, and pesticides and herbicides and so on medications that we take uh, any viruses or pathogens that we're exposed to. And then just technology itself, uh, not the result of technology, but, but, you know, there's so many, um, you know, things going on in the air there, uh, wireless things that we have no idea how that affects the body. So, you know, we take, we take what's going on in our everyday environment with social media and that, and actually, you know, add these things to it. And it's a wonder that we're still alive. <laughs> we're a mess. We're a mess. It's, we are a mess. Yeah, it's, we're a mess. So, so it's, it's the, the environment, you know, I, so, Inflammation can be the result of, you know, the environment. It's always, you know, how much of it's congenital, how much do you inherit through your genes or and or how much is coming from the environment, not right. only the right. social, but the physical environment itself. So, I mean, that's the that is the balance. And is there any other place that inflammation comes from? 
Well, it's just, you know, that, I mean, that pretty, that pretty much runs the gamut. The, the big one, the one that we have control over, I mean, we do, we have control over what we experience on social media. We really do. But the big thing that we have control over is our food. And if we can look at, you know, if, if we can supply ourselves with an anti-inflammatory diet as the umbrella of our diet, then we're going to weather all of those other um, things that we've talked about so far much, much easier and much better. And we're, we'll, we will be able to balance that, you know, a, uh, anti-inflammatory, inflammatory situation in the body. Um, you know, food is, it's the number one anti-inflammatory tool that we have. Or it's the number one reason for inflammation, either one. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the stuff that we put in our food, that we allow in our food because of what the lobbyists will pay the government to do um, is killing us. It's absolutely killing us. And um, there were incidents, things that happened back in the 50s and 60s where money exchanged hands to uh, manipulate data. And when that happened, um, then we all got sicker. So um, to think that anybody's watching out for us in terms of our diet is certainly naive because they're not. This is why we are responsible for our own health when it comes to diet. And we should really be educating ourselves. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to sit down and eat, you know, bean sprouts all day long. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Um, I think we can have a really good, healthy diet with food that's extremely enjoyable, but we're probably going to have to prepare it. Yeah, so tell us, tell us about an anti-inflammatory diet. I don't, it's up to you. Would you rather talk about what to avoid first? and what to eat or what to eat and what to avoid, whatever well, order you want to do it in. We've talked about some of the things that we need to kind of avoid, okay? We need to avoid obviously getting all bent out of shape from social media. And that's something, it's not social media as much as the politics thing for me. That's That gets me bent out of shape. So that's something that I'm working on. Um, so all of those that are affecting us mentally when we start to feel anger, and we start to feel the stress increasing in our body. Um, those are the things that, you know, that we have control over that we can that we can do. And that's one of the main causes of it. And we talked about the environment. But there's also, you know, like the household chemicals that we, we use. What do we use to clean our house? What kind of cosmetics are women putting on their face? Um, you know, all of that kind of exposure, too, can cause inflammation in the body. So we need to be aware of, of the presence of you know, our organism within all of that that can bombard us um, with things that are just going to um, cause, you know, insult or injury in the long in the long run. Um, so we know stress. We know, um, obviously, lifestyle, things like smoking and drinking and all of those things. Try to keep a balance with that. One of the other things that's really, really important is dental health, because poor oral health has a direct impact on inflammation and a direct impact on the cardiovascular system. So we need to make sure that we're flossing and that we're keeping our teeth in good shape. Unfortunately, really? I think that that should be part of our insurance policy naturally, our medical insurance policies, because if anything is going to help us, you know, stay healthy, oral health is certainly going to be one of them, but we don't consider that. So it's, it's unfortunate. And because it's so expensive, 
a lot of, especially middle, middle class Americans, really can't take advantage of it. It's bad. You yeah, know? that is bad. So, it's, you know, so let me ask you a question here. So I get into this, uh, you know, this thing where, you know, my, my body is breaking down. I've always done athletics. And sometimes inflammation is getting the best of me and I hurt something. And I go into a cycle of feeling sorry for myself and despair because of my inflammation. I assume that's an awfully bad cycle to get into. Well, it is a bad cycle to get into because as we talked before, you know, if we are getting angry and that's, that helps perpetuate the inflammation and the direct um, effect that that has on the gut and back to the, to the brain and the whole thing, you're experiencing the same thing. It's just not anger. It's just a different emotion. Right. So it's, you know, and I, I think that, you know, I mean, obviously I can, you know, I can sit here and tell you what I think you should do. Um, but, you know, if we change our thinking on this and try to be proactive with it. So, um, you know, look at some of the supplements you're taking, look at the foods that you're eating that may be, you know, um, promoting the inflammatory process. And that kind of thing. Let's so on that. Let's talk about some of the things that we can specifically take or eat that will help reduce our inflammation. So, as, as far as food goes, one of the best things that we can eat, um, obviously, whole foods, real food, not stuff that's packaged, and not stuff that you go out and buy at a fast food restaurant or you know that kind of thing. Um, Omega threes from fish oil. That's going to be one of the first things that we can do is to look at an omega-3 supplement um, or, you know, increase the amount of, of fish that you're eating. But an omega-3 supplement you can take every single day. And that has anti-inflammatory properties. Um, berries are really good for inflammation. They've got anti-inflammatory properties. Um, pineapple has an enzyme in it that's called bromelain. And bromelain helps quell inflammation when you eat the, the um, pineapple between meals. If you eat it with a meal, the bromelain is a digestive aid. But if you eat it aside from meals, it's a great anti-inflammatory. Uh, bone broth, which is really rich in minerals. Um, even, you know, things like grass-fed meats, which, you know, we wouldn't consider meat being something that could be anti-inflammatory, but we are, you know, my, my mantra, we are what we eat eats. So if we eat meat, then where the, the, you know, cow has been grazing on grass and out in the sunshine and all that good stuff, then it's going to create anti-inflammatory nutrients that we can take advantage of when we eat that animal. Um, same with the, the grass fed eggs or um, pasture fed dairy products, that kind of thing that are cultured full fat because fat nutrients are anti-inflammatory. Vitamin D3 is anti-inflammatory. Vitamin K2 is anti-inflammatory. Vitamin E, vitamin A, they're all anti-inflammatories and those are fat-soluble vitamins. The problem is, is that those kinds of fat where they come from, the government has told us we can't eat those because they're not good for us. And that's BS. That is not true. And that is not, that statement is not based in science. So the science shows that these whole real foods from, 
you know, pasture fed cows and cultured dairy are actually anti-inflammatory in the long run. So um, yeah, those, and you know, as far as supplements go, again, curcumin is probably one of the best that you can get on the market. And they, you know, that comes from the, the spice turmeric and the curcumin is generally, you know, uh, extracted and concentrated. And there are some supplements on the market where they are designed to take care of you right now. And it's not that you have to wait three months for it to start to work. So ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory and it will work for very acute inflammation. So if you injure yourself and you've, you know, injured a hip or a shoulder or what it is, whatever it is, and you take that ibuprofen, that's okay because it's going to reduce the inflammation. What we don't want to get into is having to take it regularly time after time because then it's going to turn on us and it actually can cause some cardiovascular uh, problems. So, um, you know, we can get an immediate relief from our inflammation in, in those ways. And then in the long run, we need to look at the lifestyle. There's no way that we can maintain a crappy lifestyle and be healthy as we age. It doesn't happen. So, you know, it's not, there's no easy way to do this, but if we are aware of those things that cause inflammation uh, and we take a look at our diets and, and what are the, the main things that we can change there. So if we are eating fast food for lunch, you know, four times a week, then cut it down to once or twice a week and eventually eliminate it altogether. So I think that there's things that we can do for the inflammation. Um, but it's pretty safe to say that most adult Americans are inflamed. And Lori, what about sugar in inflammation? Oh, God, sugar is probably one of the most inflammatory substances on the, on the planet. It actually activates the same areas of the, bro uh, the brain that cocaine does. It's highly, highly addicting, and it's not the sugar that is natural to a product. So we know that fruit has a lot of sugar. Um, we know that there are some sugars in, in vegetables, and you know there's other food sources. There's some in whole dairy. You're going to get some um, milk sugars in there. Those are fine. Those are natural to the products. It's the added sugar. And now on food labels, if you buy food that has a label, um, they do have, um, added sugars on that label. And let's keep in mind that four grams of sugar equals a teaspoon. So if you grab a little granola bar thinking you're doing something kind of healthy, you know, you got some oats in there and all that, and you've got 12 grams of sugar in that bar, that's equivalent to three teaspoons of sugar that most people wouldn't even put on a bland cereal. So, um, yeah, that's, a, that's an inflammatory, um, substance. Absolutely. It's, it's one of the now, worst. What about fake sugar, you know, like sorbitol and. Uh, yeah. Anything that ends in OL like that is a sugar alcohol. Um, uh -huh. and you know, they probably do cause some inflammation. They're a little different than sugar, but they do cause some inflammation in that they could cause some significant digestive disorders in many people. So if you're eating something that says no sugar on it, but you've got maltitol or sorbitol or something else with the OL at the end, um, you may be spending the day in the bathroom. So that's, you know, that's there. But artificial like sucralose and uh, Splenda, you know, all of those kinds of things, they actually trigger, they, they 
probably are inflammatory in the long run. The problem is, is that they don't trigger satiety. So they don't tell your body when you've had enough. Um, and they also can be very disruptive to the microbiome in the gut. And that is our foundation of health in the microbiome. So thinking that just because we're not getting any calories, that's a good thing. The trade-off may not be. So, I see. Yeah. Tell us about that microbiome, please. Ah, the microbiome, all those little live creatures going on in our gut. That is, um, that's, inflammation will affect that even with one meal. So if we are, um, if we, if we don't have the best diet in the world or we don't have a good diet and we're eating a lot of say pizzas and burgers and fast foods and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, every single meal that we have is going to affect our microbiome. So what we can be doing then is we can be squeezing out the beneficial bacteria. That's actually the foundation of our health and allowing in, um, rogue bacteria, if you will, um, that's actually going to be totally disruptive to the, um, to the entire intestinal system. And then it's going to affect uh, any immune response because the body's going to perceive this inflammation going on in the intestine as foreign. So it's going to be starting to pump out its, its army of cells there uh, to help us out. But if we continue to eat that pattern, then that inflammation is going to be chronic. Um, when we take a probiotic, then we're trying to replace some of that rogue bacteria, the bad bacteria with the good bacteria. Um, but it's our, our guts respond to everything we've talked about today. It's not mm -hmm. just food. Um, so every single thing that we've talked about today, uh, our gut is going to respond to. So that microbiome can be affected by our thoughts our lifestyles and everything that impacts us um, and our genetics. So wow. it's, you know, if we can keep our guts happy, the rest of our body's probably going to do pretty well, but that's where we mm -hmm. have to start. Really? So yeah. it's uh, the gut, you know, what, you know, they say that, uh, so the gut, where the gut leads the body and mind follow. Is that correct? Absolutely. That's absolutely right. We used to think that the brain like was the one that, you know, was the, the head honcho there, so to speak. Um, yeah. But it's not. It's the brain is more influenced by the gut. I mean, I, again, it's a loop. Um, but the gut is what's going to influence pretty much everything. And it's, you know, if we're looking at um, the nutrients that we absorb, we absorb those through the gut and through the gut lining. Um, so so uh, Splenda, which is very, very popular because it's no calories and it tastes eh, decent, I guess, um, that actually completely uh, can disrupt the microbiome and it can um, interfere with some of the mucous membrane that uh, lies between the actual gut bacteria and the outside of the intestine. So every single time we use that, whether or not it be in our, you know, coffee or tea we have every day or the soda we're drinking at lunch or whatever it is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're affecting the, bacteri the bacteria so that we're not going to absorb the nutrients that we need. We're going to cause an inflammatory condition and it's going to start affecting every single part of our body. When Splenda first came out years ago, 
um, I had a friend who was real, real happy because he was kind of a sugar addict type guy. So he was buying some um, sodas that had it in it and he would actually sprinkle it on his fruit. And we were talking one day and he was saying how he felt like his mood was changing, that he was not, that he felt like he was getting mm -hmm. some, a little bit of depression, you know, that kind of thing. Not, not terribly depressed, but just felt down a little bit more. So we started talking about his diet and he mentioned the Splenda and I said, you know, why don't you cut it out and see what happens? And that's all it took. So, you know, we can't, we, if man makes it, it's probably going to screw us up. Bottom line. So <laughs> this is why we need to eat real so, so forget about, forget about mind over matter. It's gut over matter. It's huh? gut over matter. Absolutely. It is. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. you know, gut feelings. I mean, we've always, we've kind of just dismissed that in the past. Well, my gut tells me this. Or my gut tells me that. And I know you well enough, Jim, that I know that you have walked into a situation at some point during your life and maybe many times during your life where your gut is telling your brain, uh, hold on here, I'm not sure this is totally cool. And that's, yes. you know, when we get those feelings, those feelings are coming from our gut. And, that's, and that information then goes to the brain and the brain's going, wow, you're probably right. So it's more the feeling it's on a much it's on a much um, more primitive, like visceral level when it comes from the gut than it than all that rational stuff that comes out of the brain. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah it so, is. Um, Lori. So, Lori, what anything you can do, do to ease stress is going to ease inflammation. So stuff like meditation and Tai Chi and things where you develop a, ser a serenity, a peacefulness about you, if you can keep that, you know, in the forefront, as well as adding the supplements, as well as taking care of your gut, those are probably the three things to think about to handle inflammation. Is that correct? Absolutely, Jim. And that's an excellent, that's an excellent point because, um, you know, with our lifestyles and, uh, you know, we, we just don't necessarily take that time um, to relax, put our mind at, at ease. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, I work on that for lowering blood pressure. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that we need to do for ourselves that we don't often take the time to do. Even walking outside in nature, you know, getting out, of course, you're in California, so you can get out to the beach and the sunshine and all of that. Um, we've had beautiful weather here over the last week. Absolutely gorgeous. So, you know, I've been outside every single day um, getting the sunshine and enjoying, you know, um, all the plants that are growing up and, and everything. All of that is going to help keep inflammation away, um, keep our guts happy and in turn, keep the body happy. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, it, you know, a, a couple of things that I found interesting is that, well, one specifically is that I've read in a couple of places, and this fascinates me, and it kind of makes sense if you think about it. If you spend a half an hour a day with your feet barefoot on the grass, it has enormous health 
benefits. Have you ever heard that? Or I have. That? I have. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't really know much of the science behind that, but it's extremely grounding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 we can be, we can become one with the earth, you know? Um, but yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely heard that. I actually had uh, somebody tell me that I should do that. This was years ago uh, when I had some, uh, you know, work issues and stuff going on. Um, she said I should do that and eat more root vegetables, which is kind of interesting if you think about it because they grow below the ground. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean like radishes? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that and like turnips that? and carrots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, kind of interesting stuff. But, yeah, and we don't take the time to do that for mm -hmm. ourselves. And here's something that we really need to understand. And that is that the earlier we can start these, these more healthy patterns – for ourselves, the less money we're going to have to spend on our health when we get old. And, you know, Medicare is great. I love it. I can go to the chiropractor every other week and it's free for me. I love that. But the fact is, is that I now at my age, not, and, and I, I, you know, that I've exercised and eaten well over the years. And I feel like if I hadn't done that, I'd probably have a lot more chronic um, health problems now um, than I do because I see it in other people who are my age. And, you know, it's taking care of ourselves as an insurance policy and only we can do that for ourselves. And it's going to avoid major, major costs in the future because our healthcare costs are not going to go down. And 85% of the $4 trillion that we spend on healthcare every year our lifestyle issues. 85% of that $4 trillion could be taken care of through changes in lifestyle. That is great. And by the way, if um, Lori Couch is all over the internet and I was, I was Googling, this is for the audience, I was Googling up her today and there's <laughs> a picture of her on the internet. And I have to tell you, that Laura, you look extremely young for your age. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't. I, I'm not sure which picture. Oh. So it's, I, I don't it's Google myself. Yeah, I know. I understand. And part of that, you know, part of that is genetic. But I'd say the lion's <laughs> share of the reason you look the way you do, you know, your trim and you know your face and your hair, and I mean, you look you you look very young. Thank you. You Jim. look like, yeah, you're, you know, in your like very early 50s. And that's because, you know, partially genetics, but it's also for a large part the way you've taken care of yourself over the years. And you exercise almost every day, right? How is yes. your inflammation level? Um, you know, I don't have anything active going on right now in terms of like my joints or anything like that. But I've had to curb um, some of the way I was exercising. I mean, I've been really hard on my body over the years. And uh, if I continued to exercise to that capacity, that level, 
I would probably, it would probably be breaking down now. So what I'm doing is just kind of reinforcing all of the good things that I've done over the years uh, without putting the amount of stress on it that I, that I did before. Yeah. Yes. And it's critical for, we have, uh, you know, you know, when I look at the demographics of the people who listen to this podcast, you know, it's, it's um, primarily baby boomers with some millennials. So for the boomers that are listening to this, it is critical. And I'm speaking firsthand because I know this for a fact yeah. is that you need to be able to develop an exercise program that your body can handle. If you push your body too hard at a certain age, actually at any age, it's going to break down. And that chronic inflammation can turn into acute inflammation. And it can be a situation where you have a permanent injury that will always be with you. True. So I think, I think that, you know, and once again, control control the gut probiotics what type of probiotics should people be taking and yeah, how, think, what form is that uh generally they're going to be in um you know a capsule form or something like that there's all kinds on the market i think frankly i think we've taken this a little bit too far in that now you can get sodas with probiotics and blah 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 the best way to keep a healthy gut, number one is through your food sources. That's that's first and foremost. The cultured foods that we could eat, which might be fermented, say like a, um, a sauerkraut or kimchi or beet kebab or anything like that, those are going to be wonderful. Um, you know, the dairy cultured full fat dairy products of you know if we want to eat that. But um, yeah, it's just you know it's it's really. Um, looking at those food sources and then um, really looking at the types of exercises that you're doing. Walking is amazing, you know, and that's not going to cause um, heavy duty problems with people. We just, we have to move. We want to be able to move our entire skeletal, um, you know, uh, our entire skeleton, as well as all the muscle groups. Um, Laura, your face. And, and, okay. Your face. Huh? I'm sorry. Tell me that again. You're fading in and out. I don't know. I'm fading in and out. I'm sorry. Is that no, better? No problem. Yeah. Okay. That's better. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, it's just, it's a matter of, it, even if we have never exercised regularly before in our lives, it's never too late to do that. Yes. Yeah. And all it takes is a little movement. And, and that's one of the ways that we're just going to keep inflammation down. Is there a probiotic supplement that oh, that's you, right. we that about you recommend? Yeah, um, that's, I'm sorry. You could... Yeah, I got I got sidetracked there. Kind of lost my train of thought. No, no problem. Um, no problem. You know what? Garden of Life has a variety of probiotics, um, and they they have them specific for men, specific for women, um, especially because in certain parts of our body, the bacteria is going to be different. So you can get them for women where you're going to get vaginal bacteria in there as well as gut bacteria. Um, and so for men, it might be more bacteria that's going to um, support prostate health and, and as well as immune and digestive health. So they're, they're all over the market. But I will tell you that they are not inexpensive. 
And if you find an inexpensive probiotic, it's probably not going to be very good. Um, but I think, I think, you know, garden of life is, is a good way. I, I think it's a good way to do it. But again, the very first thing you want to do is, is make sure you have a healthy diet. Right. So that would be a supplement. What other supplements would you suggest for inflammation? Well, we talked about the curcumin. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Excellent one. That, Ginger is an excellent okay. supplement for, uh, inflammation. Um, you can get that in a capsule form. You can do a tea form. You can do the, you know, the real ginger, um, and they have ginger chews and all of those kinds of things. That's, that's a really good one for inflammation. The omega threes really mm -hmm. important, uh, as an anti-inflammatory. Then there's another, you know, there's a number of herbs on the market. Um, Boswellia is one of them. Um, and that's a, um, an herb that really helps, um, you know, as it works as an anti-inflammatory. So there's a number of them on the market and there's it, a lot of them you can find combinations, but mm -hmm. generally the one that's really popular is going to be the curcumin. And that seems mm -hmm. to help. The other thing I'm going to just throw this out real quick is CBD. So mm -hmm. CBD can be an anti-inflammatory. It can really help with pain um, mm -hmm. and it can help with things like sleep and so on. And you can get it topically. And I have mm -hmm. a CBD um, topical that I use uh, when I need it because I do have this arthritic thumb that I injured a couple of years ago and I really never did anything about it. No, it bothers me. But um, I just put the topical CBD on it and it just feels much better. So that's that's something because you can rub that anywhere and it's going to help uh, almost immediately with inflammation. So uh, good topical. Interesting. Well, Lori, we've been doing this for 50 minutes and I really I know. appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on and, you know, it's a wealth of information. I mean, vitamin D you've talked about. Obesity. That's an anti-inflammatory, huge anti-inflammatory. Oh, is it really? There absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Superfoods. It is. You know, so I got, a, I got a lot of good feedback on metapods. Oh, okay, metapods. good. Uh, that was good. So in summation, you know, you get the last word, which by the way, you always get the last word. So there shouldn't be. <laughs> You've learned that over the years. To use. Yeah, yeah, I have. So uh, what would you like to say about inflammation, about stress, about what you eat, about your gut? What would you like to say, please? Okay. First thing I want to say is, it, because you have a lot of boomers that are that listening to these podcasts, um, when you go to the doctor and get a blood test, have them check your vitamin D levels. Because vitamin D being the anti-inflammatory that it is, and also um, the prevention for other disease processes, it's really, really important that we know what those levels are. So that's, that's what I'm going to say. But the other thing I'm just going to say, we are what we eat, eats we need to eat real food. So look at what your grandmother or your great-grandmother might have eaten. That's the way we want to eat. We want to stay away from the standard American diet because it's killing us. But on a, on a happier note, go out, take a walk, enjoy the beach, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the wind, enjoy the rain, if that's your thing. But get out there, become one with nature, and your inflammation levels are going to plummet. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Lori Kelton, it's always great to have you on. I love you, my sister, and thank you for joining us. I love you too, Jim, and thanks for having me. Looking forward to doing it again soon. Can't wait.
let's see.